You are now listening to the Online Course Podcast, the place where online course creators come to learn how to sell more of their online courses. Here's your host, Jono Petrohilos. Okay, hello everybody. Jono here and I'm super excited because we have a very special guest this week. This is someone that I've been following for a very long time, probably years now. Uh, she used to be in the fitness industry as well. I interviewed her on my fitness podcast probably two, maybe three years ago. I've, I've actually met her in person now. I, I traveled all the way to, I can't even where Nashville, Tennessee, I think it was. There was a big social media convention there, and I was like, hey, got to reach out to this person. So she's now also a, a oh, well, I consider her a friend of mine anyway. I hope she does the, the same to me. So a little bit about this person. She's a communication strategist. She's a ghostwriter. She's a mum. She's a wife, she's a believer, she's a Starbucks fiend and a reality TV lover. She runs the company Firebrand Communications and she's an absolute rock star when it comes to many different marketing forms, but specifically copywriting, which is what I would like to talk about today. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Miss Danielle Savalios. Danielle, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Yes, I am awesome. Now, Danielle, I like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us? Yeah. So these I always kind of change for me. So I would say as of late, my business coach always says, train for your business like an athlete trains for their sport. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has been really crucial for me in times of hyper growth in my business where it feels it's exciting, but it's it's the like grind. It's really hard. And I was a gymnast growing up and there's that time, you know, that's not super glorious and it's not at the competition and it's like practice number 85 and you're so tired and you're crying and you're like, this is crazy, but it's kind of what makes it worth it. So I feel like that's sort of the cycle of entrepreneurship is you've got to really train like you want to win the gold medal. And sometimes that's exciting and great and you're sitting on a podium and sometimes you just try to move and fall in on your face 17 times and you're like, what the heck am I ever going to get this? So it's kind of a, it encompasses all of that. Yes, I love that. I agree 100%. I've got a slightly different take, but on that same angle, because I've never been an elite athlete, you know, I'm pretty uncoordinated, but I've always been really fit. You know, so I was okay at athletics. I could always run and, uh, and I was okay at rugby because they put me on the wing and I could run and score some tries. Uh, but I always um, was fit and always focused on my training. And I can see so many similarities between the two. And just a simple one I was thinking about the other night. Uh, I read every single night from 8 p.m. till 9 p.m. I read. Sometimes I can't be bothered. I, I would much rather take out TikTok or um, you know, jump on YouTube or Disney Plus or whatever it may be. But it, I look it back to the, the training days where like if you just go to the gym once or whenever you feel like it or every um, day I'll go, then I'll skip Tuesday and Wednesday and then I'll go on Friday, you're not getting results. You're staying the same. Same thing with, with like reading. You know, if you just say, ah, if I get time, I'll read a book. You're not getting results. But if you read every single day, that cumulative effect adds up. And even more specifically, I think anyone, and if we're talking about, say, reading and training as well, I feel like anyone can train hard when they're feeling good. You're feeling mm -hmm. good, you're motivated. Even the laziest, most unfit person have those days where, yeah, I'm feeling good, I'll, I'll go to the gym. But I feel like when you get results in fitness, 
is when you don't want to go. The, the, mm-hmm. you know, the 40, 60%, you're good, you're pumped, you train hard. That 40%, you really don't want to. And you've got the choice, either you push yourself when you go and you train hard or you don't. The people that get results, the ones that push in those times, and I think same with business. So Yeah, yeah. And you have to take that time to master things too. You can't ever, you have to master sales. You have to master marketing. You have to master social media. Like you can't just expect, like you said, to, oh, I just put up one post and here's my million dollar business. Like it's a process. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to go to the Olympics. They train for years. They go to every competition and on the way, like it's this big, long process. And yet we think we're just going to like wake up and have this crazy, amazing business. Like, oh, here's, here's my six figure business. Here's my seven figure business. You've got to train for it. You've got to put in the work. So Yes, I agree. Well, hey, Danny, I'd like to start off with um, all my guests, their story. Now, you've got quite, just from what I know about you, you've got quite a long one. Every, every time I speak to you, there's a different business or there's a, a different direction or you're, you're working on something new. So I'm just going to hand it over to you from here. Feel free to start wherever you want to start and let us know a little bit about you and how you got to where you are now and what it is you actually do now as well, which is a yeah. story in its own, right? Yeah, it's a little bit nuts. So I will, you know, I always want to encourage people, there's not a straight path and what you're doing today doesn't need to be what you're doing in two years, just start. And you can't make decisions about where you want to be until you actually start doing things and figure out where you want to be. So I um, went to college, got a degree in psychology, which means nothing. I can just be really smart about people's brains, but I can't do anything with an undergrad degree. So I went to graduate school, became a teacher. I worked with students who have learning disabilities in class. So this was before like the online world existed. This was before any of this was even an option. Like people got normal jobs. Like they were teachers, they were nurses, they were doctors. Like it was just what people did. And so I, because I'm old, um, so I went to school, became a teacher, and kind of uh, just a few years after that, the internet sort of started, and um, those are my dogs, sorry, somebody's probably coming home. Um, So during that time, it's sort of when the internet started, and my husband and I adopted our daughters, and in order to kind of keep family up to date on things, I started a blog. And I sort of like got into this online world. It was super new. It was like when blogging was cool. It's, you know, clearly different now. But it's when like blogging was like as big as TikTok. And um, so I built up this blog. I sold some stuff. It was like kind of this fun little thing. I really was like, oh, this is like a fun little world. And so uh, I kind of kept that blog going even after we adopted our girls. And we moved overseas. And I was in a teaching job that was like the easiest job I've ever had. I was super bored. And so I was like, I'm going to become a personal trainer. And I kid you not, I really, I've thought about this so many times. I hate working out with people. I like to work out alone. I want my headphones on. I'm super extrovert, but that's like my one time where I just want to be by myself. And um, I don't know why I thought this was a good idea, but I think I just wanted a job where I could wear leggings. So I became certified as a personal trainer and I was living in Bangkok at the time. And so as an American, I wasn't allowed to work like my, my school visa is how I got there. So I wasn't allowed to work in like anywhere else, but the school. So I had to start my business online. And so, because I could sell it, you know, to people in America. So I started a fitness business online. I got a coach who was like, now she owns a more than eight figure business. 
Um, but she was starting with 11 people. I remember, I think I paid her like $189 a month. It was ridiculous. And um, I started these online programs. I realized I hated coaching. What, what, let, let me get my head around this. Was she yeah. a business coach that helped you or was she yes. a coach that, no, oh, okay. So she was a business she coach. Was so it's really oh. interesting. So she had her own fitness programs and she had started coaching female fitness pros. Okay. So she was understand. running her own programs. Yeah in her fitness world and then she coached all these other people and she also had a digital marketing agency for those other people and because of my background in writing i realized i didn't like coaching i was on this call with her i was like i really hate this like i don't want to do this and she was like well i you write don't you and i was like i mean i guess like sure and she's like well do you want to write for my business and i was like sure and i was still teaching full-time so I started writing for her and she was like, oh, do you want to start writing for my clients? Because she had this agency. And I was like, sure. So I got like this massive boot camp in copywriting <laughs> on the job. Like I taught all day. I was a cheerleading coach, was at football games and basketball games and all the games. And then I'd come home and write for hours. And I had to learn literally everything. When you say write, just in case the listeners aren't quite sure, this is blogs, this is email follow-ups, this is It was everything. everything. Yeah. literally everything and it was probably for at the start for like 10 to 12 different women and it grew over time she grew her, i mean she's just a genius so she grew her business insanely but um i was writing blogs emails social media posts uh lead magnets landing pages sales pages no joke i remember i mean i didn't know how to do any of this at that time i was a good writer but there's a difference between being a good writer and being a good copywriter mm. they're two really different skill sets and so I had to learn, I'm like Googling like copywriting formulas. I did eventually take like the big courses that are sort of the gold standard, but at the time I, I didn't know anything. What I did know was people, I understood people and I understood the fitness world. I understood what, um, why people wanted to, why people would invest in a fitness program. And so um, I was able to tie those two together. I had no clue what I was doing. I was writing hours and hours and hours a week and my teaching job got a little nuts i was like i'm gonna quit forever i'm just gonna be happy as a teacher enough of this nonsense and like a month later i got bored i started like this online store hated it sold it and i then just decided okay i'm gonna go back to copywriting it's clearly a skill i have her agency was no longer she closed it down because her fitness program was so huge and um so i went back to copywriting and i've been doing that ever since um, I swore I would be a freelancer forever and that I would never hire a team and nobody could ever write as good as I did, which is ridiculous. And last year I hired several writers. I do hardly any of the writing anymore. I have one person that I really work for and I decided to join her team full time. So I've got a multiple six figure business on this side over here running almost without me. I'd love to say without me, it's not totally without me but it's like moving in that direction, hopefully in the next year. And then I'm actually working for uh, my, my old business coach and her company that's just grown insanely as her marketing director. So it's kind of this weird, it's a weird story. I recognize that it's crazy, but it's not a straight path. And the one thing I will say at every turn was I needed, I needed to go through all of those seasons. I needed to go through all those phases. I needed to grow, I needed to do the hustle at the beginning where I was like reaching out and getting the clients and I had zero clients. 
And then I needed to, to go through the period of rapid growth where I was drowning and working like 90 hours a week and tired and miserable. I had all the money, but I was miserable. Like I kind of needed to go through all of that to realize this is actually what I want to do. And this is how I want to do it. So it was a long journey. It'll, there'll probably be another 87 turns, but that's sort of how I got here. Yes. No, love it. I, I've got some really good notes out of that. And I think the reason I connect with you, Danielle, is your sound, your journey sounds exactly the same, very similar to, to my sort of thing. So I'll expand on a few different points that I've taken it. That some, they are copy, they're business tips, but also I think some good copy ones as well. I love when you said it at the start, like you're, it's not a straight path. And the only way to get to where you are is to try something and either be like, great, I like it. I'm going to do more of this or, Hey, I've tried it and I didn't like it. I'm never going to do it again. Either way, it's a positive outcome. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back, especially in the business sense. Okay, great. I want to start a business or I want to start an online course. Should I get Teachable or should I get Kajabi or should I get Thinkific or should I get a website? You know what? I'm not going to do anything now because I don't know which one I'm going to do. So I'm going to sit and do nothing until one wakes up and slaps me in the face, which is never going to happen. You know, at least if you just make that, you know what? I'm just going to go on Teachable. Oh, you know what? This sucks. Let me change over to Kajabi. You're still going to be better. It's not a mistake that you went, yeah. whichever one you went first. It's a positive thing. You went out, you did something. You know what doesn't work and you move on to something that, that does. And that's, that's the only way forward. So I'd yeah, I think that's so important. I think that is what I think that's the difference between success and not having success. I think when you are so scared to take action, you will never grow. I mean, I will say much to like my husband's despair. I take action really quickly and I often here's the deal. I'm willing to clean up the mess. Yeah. So if I make a wrong decision, I will figure out how to fix it. Like, and I, I think it took me a while to get to that point where I was okay with that, but I finally got there and now it's like, just go, just make the decision. And if it's not the right one, you'll figure it out. Like you'll fix it. And so I think that that's the difference. You have to be willing, not that you just enter into stuff stupidly, but like you have to just do it. I mean, you will probably screw up and make some bad decisions. Like do it sooner, make, make, you, make them now so you can yeah. fix them in the next month as opposed to yeah. sitting around in a month and then making the wrong one yeah. anyway. Yes. And there's no, like so many of the things we think are wrong decisions. They're so small. Like yeah. who cares if you have to switch from thick if it's to, to Kajabi, like who cares? Like just switch yeah. it. Like it's no big deal. Move on. Like it'll be fine. 98% of things that we think are so huge are these tiny little decisions that have no impact on us really, except for maybe a couple of hours of life. And when you're just starting your business, you have time. So use your time. Like when, when you have these periods of growth, I mean, there were things where there are periods where my business was growing where I would have paid any amount of money for things to get off my plate because I had no time. I had money, but no time. But when you're starting, you have time. So make the mistakes, you'll fix it. Like it's no big deal. Yes. Love that. And then the next thing, next thing I love about your journey, Danielle, is you pretty much always work with a coach. And every time I speak to someone, Hey, it's Kelly Roach. Hey, it's Jasmine Starr. Hey, it's, you know, there's always someone different there. And I think that's the fastest way to accelerate. Because, and let's, let's just use this same example, right? You don't know whether to use Teachable or Kajabi and you spend a month, you know, figuring, not doing anything or doing it wrong and then it's not right. Or you hire a coach that's already done online courses before and says, hey, here are your three different options. If you want this, use this. If you want this, use this. If you want, use this, use this. So yeah, you may have to pay that coach a couple hundred bucks, maybe a thousand bucks or whatever it is. But hey, 
they're probably going to save you that in time anyway. So instead of you wasting that month doing nothing, it's just a, a shorter way. So, and there's, that's a different topic because there may need to, there's different coaches for different times, right? If you're just starting off, you've got nothing, you probably don't want to go out and spend $20,000 doing the, the best coach ever, you know? You may want to pay someone a few hundred bucks to say, hey, here's a hustle plan to get started or whatever it may be. And, you know, you, you do the work and you make sure that person's trusted and then you make that money back with a little bit more and then you can go on to the next one. So I think that's- Yeah, my first coach, I mean, she was $189. She literally changed the trajectory of my life with just a couple of, but you know what? It's so funny. I literally took her little blueprint. She did an online boot camp in a very specific way. I took that. I put in my workouts and my nutrition approach cookie cutter gave it out there's a time to really set yourself apart and be very very different as you grow but when you're starting like taking that blueprint again you don't know what makes you different so i took her blueprint i did it exactly as she said i realized okay this is what i think this is how i want to do it and i was able to change that but having that saved me months of time like months and months of time months of money i probably would have thrown out the window trying other things that didn't work and when it didn't work i got on the phone and was like hey this is what happened and she would say okay let's try this and so at every stage, having that has been invaluable. Yes, love that. Um, the next point, you mentioned about, you know, starting off and, and having nothing and, and going out and hustling. Now, I think that's important as well, you know. I think a lot of people sort of think, hey, I'll get an online course together and it's going to sell itself because it's, it's so good, you know, that people are just going to do it. And this is actually why I like copy as well because I think, and we'll, we'll actually get to this side of things, but um, but. Before you even sell it, you need someone to sell it to, right? So I think that's important just to go out and do whatever you can to, to meet people, to connect with people online, offline, um, whatever platform you're using, find some sort of a way where you can just go and connect people and not even necessarily sell straight away. Yeah, you may think the opportunity's there, but just go out and, and meet people and help them out for free. I think that's probably the easiest, you know, to, to prove you're good at what you do. Great. Go and help 5, 10, 15, 20 people for free. Now you've got 20 testimonials. Now you've got 20 people that you helped them out for free. And if they, they may even come back and pay you. So you've got options there. So I think that's important. Um, and then from here... Yeah. Okay, cool. And then it gets to the other side where what you're doing now, we probably won't get to that because I think most people watching this are still trying to sell their first course. And I think that's a big jump between great. Now I'm working 90 hours and making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. That's that, that may be the dream for some people at the moment. You've already passed that. Now you're like, Hey, there's got to be more to life than this. How can I get up? So we won't really touch on that there, but we'll talk a little bit. And this is probably a good transition into copy. I like how you said two things that you uh, knew when you started off was you knew people, you knew how people think, and you knew that fitness world. Now, I think, and I'll, I'll just ask you this question off the bat just as a quick answer one. Like, I feel if you know those two things, half your copy is written for you. If you yeah. know how people think and you know your, your audience and their problems and, and what they want, then it's just a matter of finding some sort of structure that, that works, right? So I think, would you have found that that's a, A, was that a big advantage for you? And then B, before anyone even picks up a pen and starts to do the AIDA formula, they probably should know people and, and their industry. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think 100%. I always tell people when they say, I don't know what to write, or even for a social media post, I don't know what to write. I always say there's one of two problems. You either don't know your craft well enough, yeah. or deep enough, yeah. or you don't know your people well enough yeah. or deep enough. And if you do know those two things, you will never run out of content. Mm. never run out of things to say. And I think the same is true for copy. I don't sit down. Uh, if I was going to say, okay, I'm going to write your sales page. 
Um, I would not just sit down and think from my head, what should I say for his sales page? So I would actually get you to have your uh, followers fill out a form. I might get some people on the phone and do some interviews. And I would literally draw up a whole document of everything your people said that describes their pain points, that describes what they want most, that describes uh, what they've tried before and why it didn't work. I would get all their language and I would know exactly what they wanted. And then I would know your program really well. I would look at what you're offering, what it, what's involved. And I would say, okay, how do I bridge the gap? That's all really good copywriting is, is bridging the gap between here's what you're offering and here's what they're saying they want. How do I put those two together? And I, in many instances, copy and paste the phrases the people say onto the document as like the bare bones of my copy. And then I go in and use the formulas and all those things. But it's not from my brain. I don't just like make it up. Like, oh, this sounds great. It's not creative writing. Yeah. It's really purposeful, intentional, speaking to the pain points and desired outcomes of your people. So when you know your people well, if you're writing your own copies, that's what I do when I write for other people. When I'm writing for my own people, I don't have to do this big extensive thing. I'm constantly like in touch with them, in DMs, on discovery calls, um, in Facebook groups, looking at what they're asking. and constantly keeping that sort of cycle in my mind of this is what they say they want, this is how they say it. So I'm not sitting down with a blank page, even though it feels like a blank page. It's not. It's really just taking what your people say they want and telling them how what you offer gives it to them. And if you, if you stop overthinking that, the words will come a lot easier. Yes, love it. Well, um, where I'm thinking we'll go from here, Danny. So I had a, a copywriter on probably the episode or, or two before this, and she spoke a little about about the formulas. So what I'm thinking could be cool if we go now for some tips. So let's just assume you know people have some you know that they understand. Great, I know my uh, ideal client. I know my program. I know a few um, copywriting formulas that I can use. Now let's get more to the the practical side of things. So let's say. Whatever someone's used a, the paster formula or that the the AIDA formula, and they've written a Facebook ad or a Facebook post, and someone's clicked mm -hmm. that link, and they go mm -hmm. to I guess we could say either an opt-in page where they have to enter in their details for more, or it could be a let's start with the opt-in page actually. So they go to an opt-in page where they need to enter their details, and then they go to the sales page or get an email or whatever it may be. What are some two or three copywriting tips you could give us there? to increase the chances of people opting in on that opt-in page? Yeah, so you always wanna keep in mind cold traffic versus warm traffic. So mm -hmm. if this is a Facebook ad, I would consider that pretty cold traffic. These are not people you've likely engaged with in other capacities. So when you are speaking to cold traffic, you have to be so crystal clear mm -hmm. within three seconds, what's the benefit for them, and why should they be compelled to sign up, right? So let's say you're hosting a workshop, right? And that's gonna lead into your course launch. Like you're gonna have uh, you know, a, a three-day challenge and there's gonna be videos, whatever. You have to have one headline that gives them the exact outcome they can expect. You know, Learn how to book 10 high-ticket clients in three days or less. That's, that's a really tangible, clear outcome. You as the coach might know like, okay, there's 87 things they have to do to get there, but they do not care about the 87 things. They just want to know I'm going to get these 10 clients in these three days. That's all they want. So you write that headline nice and big above the fold. So above the fold is anything that is before someone has to scroll. It is the most prime piece of real estate on your page and you want them to not have to scroll to get any information. 
above the fold, the headline. And then I like bullet points when you're just starting. So there's a million ways to do this. This is not the only way, but I feel like when you're starting out, three bullets, what can they expect? In this three-day workshop, you'll learn my secret sales script to close a client every single time. You know, whatever you're gonna offer, three to five tangible things. And then a button to opt in, all above the fold. Mm. So I never have to scroll in order to put my name and info in there. I don't have to sit there and think, what does this person mean? What am I gonna get? If you're cold, like if I don't know you and I come to your page, I'm not gonna just sit there and try to figure it out. I'm not gonna burn any calories. I'm not gonna waste any time thinking about what you mean. I'm just gonna peace out. If I see, okay, wow, I don't know this guy at all. He's some strange dude on Instagram, but this headline is like exactly what I want. I actually just had that problem yesterday and I was talking to someone about it and he said it exactly and he's got these three things I'm gonna learn. I'll probably sign up for something free, right? Mm -hmm. So you gotta make sure they have that clarity within the first three seconds and really, like ask someone in your market, like ask someone, would you sign up for this if you saw this and you didn't know me? Because you have to think you're competing for attention every second of the day. Even if they're on your landing page, you've got to keep them there. And they do not care about you. They don't care about your credentials. They don't care about how awesome your course is. They literally just want to know what am I getting out of this? So that is, if you can in five seconds tell them, what they're getting out of this, your chances of opting in are like a, a billion times higher. So that would be my one piece of advice. I know you asked for a couple of tips. That's it. If you can do that, that's everything. Yes. And then I would say my only other piece of advice is you've got to test mm. specifically when you're running Facebook ads. You can't just like put up one page and say it's not working and then call it a day. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. You're going to have to do three, four, five, ten landing pages. Like you're going to have to see what works. Uh, the company that I'm working with now, we have a launch. It's the same launch every six, to, well, every six to eight weeks, right? It's amazing. What worked in February that converted at a really high rate isn't working this month. We have to do a whole new page. Sometimes we'll have three pages running at the same time because it might really speak to this audience over here with this page and this audience over here with that page. So you're going to have to test if you're not getting opt-ins change your headline if you're not getting opt-ins change the placement of the button sometimes you can change the color of the button and it will make a difference you could change one word on that and you can get a five percent increase in opt-ins so you've just got to be willing to test and like separate your emotions from it like it's not failure it's not a mess it's just like okay it's not working how do we fix it so you test those things and try to fix it Yes, love that. I'll give a summary because um, you obviously know this stuff quite well. You can go through it quick. I'll give it a, a summary for the listeners there. So essentially what Danielle's saying is the most important part is that headline up the top. Have some headline that states the exact outcome that that person's getting to get their attention. Great. You know, yes, that's what I want. Then three to five bullet points saying what that person's going to get. Now, ideally with that, it goes back to knowing your ideal client again. So say we're saying cold traffic great, you've spoken to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 people, and they always say these three things. Oh, I just need to build my list for free. I need to learn how to use a landing page and know how to convert. And they all say those three things. Great. There are your three bullet points there. So have that heading, have those three bullet points, have the opt-in box, have it all above the fold, and it will be okay. It won't be bad. You're at least a, a good start. And then from there, just test it. 
great, now you've got your basic one, cool, I might jump on ClickFunnels and do you know, some sort of test where there's two of them there, and I might just put a, actually what, an example I used. Uh, I, I had a look at my landing page, one of my opt-in pages, and the rate just wasn't as, as high, it was get going down and down. I'm going, hmm, what can I do here? And I simply just put a testimonial screenshotted from Facebook underneath that. And then from there, the, the opt-in rate went from like 20% to, well, I think I was down to 15%, went up to like 30% just by having that, that one testimonial there. And I'm not saying it's the testimonial is the reason why, but I'm saying it's just great. I had something. It could have brought it down for all I know. You know, I could yeah. have done that and it goes down to five or something, you know? So um, yeah, just the, the split testing there, which is cool. So, okay, next question from there, Danielle. Someone's now done that, they've got their landing page, it's doing okay, it's opting on 30, 40% or, or something like that. Uh, now they go to a sales page and our listener doesn't have a clue what to put on this sales page. They're getting opt-ins, it's okay, but no one's buying off this sales page. Can you give us uh, some tips or advice there, copywriting-wise? Yeah, so I know you kind of already talked about copywriting formulas. Those are a good place to start and you definitely do want to use those frameworks on your sales page. There's, and you can Google cop, uh, sales page formulas. You'll find 8 million. They're all, they can all work. Yeah. So the most common mistakes I see when sales pages aren't converting. Um, number one, there's not enough emotion behind it. Mm. So not that I, I am not a fan of creating false urgency or fake emotion. I don't think you should do that. I think it really diminishes that your, the, the trust that your people will have. But you do want to bring out some emotion. Like, yeah, every if you line up 15 women, they probably all would say they want to lose 10 pounds, right? That's not compelling. It's like, yeah, everyone wants to lose 10 pounds. But when you start tying it to the reason they want to lose 10 pounds, when you start tying it to the fact that they probably tried 80 diets and have failed, and they would say the word fail, they feel like a failure, that taps into a deeper level of motivation. When you say things like you're tired of, living on the diet roller coaster, you're tired of stepping on the scale and instead of seeing three pounds lower than what you want to see, you're, you're seeing two pounds higher. You're tired of putting on your pants and not having them button the way you want them to. You're tired of not being able to go out to the, you know, pool with your friends and feel completely confident. So you, you know, have your cover up over you. Like you're embarrassed. You feel like you failed. Like bringing out those words, sometimes it feels like, oh, that's so harsh. But it almost makes your people feel like they're understood. Because again, I could line up 15 women. They'll all say, yes, they want to lose 10 pounds. But if you don't tap into why they want to lose 10 pounds, 14 out of them won't even look at the rest of your sales page. Because they've, we're just also, you're not selling anything new. Like nobody's selling anything new, right? You're selling your uh, view on it. You're selling your approach. You're selling your method. There's 8 billion fitness coaches who can help people lose 10 pounds, right? What makes you great? You've got to show them that you understand them. When people feel understood and heard and they feel like, oh, this, like, Jono gets me. I'm going to give him my money. Can six other people train me? Absolutely. But he gets it. You build this loyalty and this sense of connection that is going to make them a lot quicker to part with their money than if you're just like, hey, I'll teach you how to lose 10 pounds. Like nobody cares about it. So if you can diagnose the root cause of why they want to or what's held them back, that gives you this extra layer. Um, so you can talk about, you know, well, the fitness industry is designed to make you fail. Like that's how they make their money. They want you coming back and over and over again. It's not your fault. 
you've tried, you've put in your best effort. None of these programs are there to help you develop habits. And so you've consistently been on this cycle, but there is a better way. When you tap into it at that level, it gives them this sense of like, oh, like, okay, like maybe I can do it. So that's one mistake. People don't have enough emotion behind the the pain point. There's not enough agitation. So I don't know if you talked about like pain agitation solution in the last one. There's not enough agitation. Like it's just sort of like you're tired of being overweight. Yeah, okay, great. But like why? Why are people tired? Because it it means you can't go out without feeling crappy, right? You've got to tap into that second layer. Can I can I, um, can I can I jump in yeah. here? Because I think it's okay. some really good points there as well. So yeah, I love how you've brought the emotion side of things. The the sales strategy that I um, follow is essentially people buy on emotion and justify with logic. So they'll never, and, and I learned this yeah. when I was selling my first online course, it was helping bootcamp instructors grow their business. My course cost $500, which over in Australia, that's the cost usually of a 12 week bootcamp. You sign up for a 12 week fitness bootcamp, you pay 500 bucks. So essentially someone could do my course, get one client and it's paid for themselves, right? And I'd give them the breakdown. They're like, yeah, man, if I did this stuff, I'd get like five, 10 clients in the next week. Cool, so you wanna do the course? Ah, let me think about it. And I'm like, what the hell? It doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like, logically, you should buy it. Then I realized pretty quick, you know, logically, logic uh, doesn't work. So that's important there. I love how you've said, you know, use emotion to describe it because every formula out there has something like that. You know, there's the past, Stan Kennedy, you know, problem, agitation, solution. There's the, the paster, Ray Edwards, you know, problem, amplification, solution, testimonial. There's the four Ps, you know, picture this, you know, every single one of them. And, and when you were giving your your descriptions there, you could see people actually picturing there and then amplifying or, or agitating. And yeah, that I, th I agree hundred percent where that's the, the biggest thing there that's holding people back. They'll state the problem, but if you can't agitate it or amplify it or, or picture it, you know, it's, it's just not going to work. So I love that step. And there was something else as well. And it once again goes back to knowing your client again, because the better you know your client, they're going to read that and be like, yeah, that's me. And another quote I like, I don't know who one of the marketing gurus says it, Brunson or, or someone where if you can, um, if you can explain your prospect's problem better than what they can, they're going to automatically think you have the solution. And you should have the solution. It should be your, your course. But as, as you said, Daniel, we need the, before they give you their money, they need to be sure this person's got the solution. So if you can work on describing that problem better than what they can, that's, that's my whole goal. I'm like, I need to be able to put into words what your problem is better than what you can. I want you to, and my background is selling on the phone. So it was easy for me to sort of practice that because it's like, all right, so let me get this right, Danny. This is where you're at, bang, 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 bang. And this is where you want to get to, bang, bang. Because I ask them first, hey, what do you want to do? They'll give me a five, 10 minute, you know, explanation, winding explanation from there. Okay, bang. So essentially you want this, this, and this, you need this, this, and this. Is that right? If I can summarize yeah. in 30 seconds, they're like, yeah, yeah, exactly what I need. Yeah. I think when you can talk again, like a sales page is a sales call. It's just in work in writing. It's the same thing. You just are listening before and then you're writing out the part at the end, but you're, you're not convinced. That's the, I guess that would be my other, I have like 85 tips, but I think this is probably the one that's most important. You have to remember you're not writing a, a sales page to convince people who don't want what you have. Mm. You're writing a sales page for the people on the fence. Mm. You're writing a sales page for the people who do want what you have, 
They just need to be convinced that you're the person to give it to them. So you're not selling a weight loss program to someone who doesn't need to lose weight or someone who does need to lose weight but doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. They're not willing to do the work. You're not convincing I'm people. Saying, that's, I'm saying I'm trying to do that one. Yeah, and so don't, don't waste your time. Yeah, don't yeah. write for those people because there are people who are like a heck yes, I'm in. And those people don't even read your sales page. They just click the button. But the people you're writing for are those people on the fence and they're like, oh, like, I think I need this. Like, I think this is what I want and I think this is right, but I just need a little push. Like, I just need a little, like, tell me this is going to work for me. And so I think that's the other side of it is the, the big mistake I see people making on sales pages. They don't paint, they don't deal with the fact that like people are coming with baggage, right? They're coming with this idea that that I, I can't achieve that. 90%, not everybody, 90% of people. So you have to convince them that it is possible for them. You need to give them hope that they can get results that they want. So some of your sales page has to include that. You have to show that some of that, that comes in a number of ways. That comes in testimonials. If I look on a page and let's say I'm someone who wants to lose, you know, 20 pounds and I see, a, you know, a mom who's got a business who does all these things, just like me, I automatically feel like, okay, someone like me has done this. You know, I see some little, 15 year old fitness girl with six pack abs. And I'm like, whatever she's not doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's her whole life. You know? when I was 15. Yeah. And that, and sometimes for the pro, like a fitness pro, yeah. that's, you know, someone looks at you as superhuman. Mm. They'd see you as like, well, you live a lifestyle I don't want to live. So when you share a testimony of someone who lives a normal lifestyle and still looks great, it's this connection. It shows them, okay, it's possible for me. Dealing with objections can paint a picture of what's possible for them. Like, I would put on many sales pages that I've written, like, will this work for me? That's what everybody's question is. It's not money. If we knew for certain something would work for us, we'd give people our money, usually. I mean, there are cases where you just don't have the money. I do believe that. But for the most part, if we were 100% sure, I would never have to invest in another diet program again. Mm. Or I would never have to, you know, figure out another sales strategy again or whatever. Because what you taught me was going to work. If I was 100% sure, I would find the money, right? Like, we would all find the money. If there was a program for 2,000 bucks and I knew it would make me $20,000 that month, I'll sell my car for 2,000 bucks, pay you, and then buy one for $10,000 in a month's time while I'm still ahead. Yes, but people don't believe that. And in their minds, they're saying, is that possible for me? I don't know. So when your sales page leaves that off, it just leaves them with a sense of like, well, that's for someone else. That's not for me, even if it is for them. So you have to paint that picture. That can be in a frequently asked question. That can be in testimonials. That can be in a section sort of devoted to painting a picture of what's possible. Um, I love a good even if statement. This program is for you, even if you hate going to the gym. This program, like uh, I, I used to always, when I was doing fitness, I hate to cook. I can't cook. It's like this ridiculous joke in my family. Um, like this program is for you, even if you hate meal prepping and don't want to cook. Like even if you have no time, like uh, those even if statements, that it like calms people's nerves of like, I can't make that work. I can't spend 10 hours meal prepping. I can't spend 20 hours on the phone calling people to get sales. So you have to address those things. You can't leave the questions in their mind. And you have to recognize everybody comes to the table with baggage. We all have baggage about everything. We don't know it, but we do, we have it. So you've got to address it. Don't it's let, don't make it this weird elephant in the room. Just call it out. Like, why is this so? Why does this program cost so much money? Mm. Here's why. 
Like I would write that depending on the, not for everything, but I would write it if it was something that I knew was going to be a significant objection. Um, will I get results? I would answer it if it's something that I knew people were going to wonder. So you have to really consider that for your course. What is that? What's their biggest objection going to be? And you're going to know that because you ask them. So. Yes. Love it. All right, cool. So now let's move down the funnel again. You know, someone's opted in, they've seen the sales page. Yeah, they're interested, but for whatever reason, not everyone is going to buy then and then, right? No way, not even close. Um, but we've got the email. We can follow up with emails. Now, a little short on time there. We've got about five minutes. So in five minutes or, or less, what couple tips could you give us when writing copy for an email follow-up yeah, let's say email follow-up. Someone's opted in, they haven't signed up, the special's on for another two or three days or whatever it may be, so we've still got a few uh, days to convince them by our email. Any tips there? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about with the sales page. Remember, you're not convincing people who don't want to buy. You're writing for people who are so close. They're on the fence. So you have to just present that decision to them in that email. Like, here's the cost of doing this course. This is what it's going to be, but here's the outcome. Here's the cost of not doing it. Here's what will happen. And with most situations, there's three options. You do the program, the course, the coaching, you DIY it, or you do nothing. And so you want to paint those three pictures. Here's what it looks like if you do the course. Here's what it looks like if you DIY it. Can you DIY it? Yes, 98% of people can DIY whatever you're going to teach them. But it will take them exponentially longer and cost them exponentially more money. So you have to show them that. And then you can do nothing. And if you do nothing, you're just going to be right where you are and have the same problem in a month or two months. So your emails need to kind of follow that uh, progression of here's some testimonials of what it looks like if you do this with me, if you join my course. Here's some testimony. Uh, here's what this could look like for you. Can you DIY it? A hundred percent. I'd write a whole email. Why do I need this? Or can, can I just learn this stuff on Google? And I would say, yes, you can. But here's what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And then you can do nothing. You can just stay where you are and you can make no decision. The other thing I would say is play up with the time. If you have some sort of deadline and it's real, mm -hmm. don't make up deadlines. But if you do have a real deadline, uh, I, I like to do an email like, are you going to decide or are you going to let time decide? Mm -hmm. Like, is, are you going to wake up tomorrow and be like, dang, I should have done that. Are you going to wake up tomorrow and pay an extra thousand dollars for this course because you were too chicken to make the decision today? I wouldn't say it like that. But you want to play that up, like be the one who makes the decision. If you know this isn't for you, cool, make that decision. If not, and you know you're going to wake up in a week and want this, just do it. Like, what the heck? So that those would be my my email encouragements. <laughs> yes, love it. I love even that philosophy. I heard that explained a slightly different way, and I loved it. It was um, a speaker said, you know, so if you want to learn something, there's three ways you can learn it. You can either do it the easy way, and pay someone else to teach you or get someone else to teach you. It's the easy way. It's, we've done it since the dawn of time, you know. You're a 13-year-old guy. Your dad teaches you how to shave, you know. You're, you know, the equivalent in, as, as a woman, your mom teaches you how to do this. Your teacher does that. That's the easy way. You can do it the hard way. Try and do it yourself, you know. You can still achieve it. Of course you can, but it's just harder, you know. You're going to learn to shave. You're going to cut yourself a few times. It's painful. It, you know, it hurts. But, yeah, you can do it that way. Or the third way is, you know, to do nothing. And I don't care if you do the first way or the second way, but whatever you do, don't do the third way here. And I thought that's that was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that was cool. But um, hey, Danielle, that's all we got time for today. 
anyone listening to this, if they're like, you know what, this is cool, I like Danny, I like her style, where's the best place to follow you? Facebook groups, podcasts, Instagram, yeah. where should we go? Yeah, so I have a podcast called Firebrand Radio, and I interview seven and eight-figure business owners all about their journey, and it's really kind of about like the truth behind entrepreneurship. There's a lot of people selling a lot of stuff that's not real, so I want to kind of keep it honest, keep it real, and this is what it's really like, so you can find me there, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places, and then I have a Facebook group that is for people who listen to the show, so it's Firebrand Communications on Facebook as well. Awesome. I'll put all those links in the show notes. Um, that's all we got time for today, Danielle. Anything you wanted to leave us off with or is there anything I should have asked you but didn't? No, I think my only encouragement is you just have to do, like just stop overthinking and do. You will learn. You will get better. People with writing have a really weird block and they're like, I just can't write. You have to, you're going to have to write if you have a business. You don't have to be a copywriter, but you're going to have to write. So just practice. Like, Give yourself grace, put something out there that's not so great, and just get better. Like, learn, commit to it, put in the time, and you'll be fine. You will get to a point of competency, and you'll feel great about it, but you're not going to do that if you just sit there thinking about how terrible of a writer you are. So just type up some words and send them out. Love it. Awesome. Thank you for your time, Danielle. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Check out the show notes for more free resources on how to sell more of your online courses.